0: We have a tendency to like shortcuts. And in many ways, I guess shortcuts can be a good thing. And in many different arenas of life, shortcuts can serve great purposes. But when it comes down to following God and being God's people, I want you to understand something. There are no shortcuts. There is only one way, and that is that we do things the way that God has commanded, the way that he has laid them out, and the way that he directs us to do them. When Saul went to the witch at Endor and said, bring me up, Samuel, what he was really saying was, give me another chance to benefit from God's prophet." He knew where his failings had been. He knew what he had done wrong. He had been confronted repeatedly with his sins, and yet he continued in them until he reached this point of no return. And now he goes pleading in the wrong place in the home of the witch. I want us to see what we might learn from these verses as we consider and compare the unfailing ways of God and the never succeeding ways of the world. Let me just boil this down as quickly as I can and help us to make sense out of it the way it made sense to me as I was reading and studying these verses. There are some simple things. The first is simply this, that success is never found in replacing a solid foundation with a passing fad. If you look at verses 5 through 7, you read these words. When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid. Terror filled his heart. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him. Not by dreams, not by Urim, not by prophets. Saul then said to his attendants, find me a woman who is a medium, so that I may go and inquire of her. There's one in Endor, they said. He begins by doing the right thing, inquiring of the Lord. But when the answer didn't come, when the answer didn't come quickly enough, when the answer didn't come the way that he wanted or anticipated or expected, he quickly turned to the wrong. As I was reading this account out of Saul's life, I found myself asking, what makes A country great I mean Saul was ruling a nation whose foundation was the law of God and the worship of the God who had given that law now please understand there were sinful people in that nation Saul was right there among them but nonetheless they had a solid foundation but rather than honoring God by following his law Saul replaced that rock-solid foundation by joining in the fad of occult practices He sought out a medium, seeking a shortcut, trying to find spiritual insight, spiritual wisdom, spiritual direction. He was trying to find what would make things right again in his own mind. Can I just tell you something? Right does not always have to do with popularity or acceptance. (laughs) Too much time is being wasted trying to make our nation popular with cultures that are never going to accept our nation. We want them to like us, but folks, it's just not going to happen. Can I just tell you that? The cultures that were around Israel were never going to be satisfied with Israel being there and existing there because they were so different in their worship and in their lifestyle and in their practice. The greatness of a nation is determined by who they are, their character and integrity. The greatness of a nation is determined by by what they do, showing justice and mercy, defending the weak, caring for the poor. The greatness of a nation is determined by whom they serve. What or whom have they enthroned upon the throne of their hearts and made their God? Israel had a solid foundation, but they had wavered and moved away from that foundation. Can I just tell you that our nation has a great foundation? Uh, we've moved away from it, but we do have a great foundation. The principles upon which this nation was formed, amazing. The founders of this nation were intelligent, educated, well-read individuals. They, they looked at all of literature, but they focused in on the Word of God for direction and for guidance. A lot of folks have referred to our culture, our society, our government as a great experiment. Part of the reasoning for that was because of the three-pronged government that we were given by our founders. And folks have wondered, where were they smart enough to come up with these three independent branches of government that coincide and work together and yet are independent? And the answer is found in Isaiah chapter 33 verse 22 where we read, The Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, and the Lord is our king. He is the judicial branch. He is the legislative branch. And he is our executive branch. He will save. Our nation was given an amazing foundation because of the character of those who formed it. I would never go so far as to say all of the founding fathers were devout Christians. I don't believe that for a minute. God may know differently and and it's up to him to judge and determine that. But I do know this. That these individuals pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their honor to the cause of creating a free nation where people could live and worship and, and do what was necessary in order to pursue happiness. Many of those individuals fulfilled their pledges by losing their homes, sacrificing their children, and even becoming destitute as they lost their fortunes to the demands of war and revolution. I want you to know this morning that a country will be great. Its institutions will be strong as long as those who serve stay focused upon the truth and righteousness that birthed such a nation. Israel was strong as long as Israel stayed in step with God. That's true of any nation. Success is never found when we replace a rock-solid foundation with passing fads, whatever they might be or however good they may look. But there's a second truth that I want us to see in this passage this morning. And it's simply this, that success is never found when fear replaces faith. There are three different verses listed there. Simply because as I looked through this passage, I found myself focusing in on phrases. In verse 5, terror filled his heart. In verse 8, so Saul disguised himself. Not wanting to be recognized, he, he goes undercover, if you will. In verse 20, we read, Saul fell full length on the ground, filled with fear. Can I just point out to you, this seems to be a problem Saul always wrestled with. I mean, from the very beginning, you can go back to 1 Samuel chapter 9, when when Samuel looked to him and said, this is the man who's going to be the king. This is the man that God has chosen. He was filled with self-doubt. He was filled with uncertainty. He was filled with fear when Samuel called him out to be the first king of the nation. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, Saul feared losing his army in the face of the Philistines. And because of that fear, he usurped the authority of Samuel the prophet. He offered up burnt sacrifices that were not his place to do. It was due to his lack of faith in God that that Saul began to fear a young musician in his court by the name of David. Saul's fear overcame his faith and it led him into sin time after time after time again. Many individuals, many churches and nations are approaching indoor today. Fear has become the driving force. It has replaced faith. Self-doubt, uncertainty, the inability to trust God's direction, those things always lead to living life outside of God's plan, God's directives, God's will for us. There ought to be an overwhelming sorrow among the body of Christ today among church leaders or over church leaders who have confused others by their failure to preach the pure, unadulterated truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There ought to be in this nation a grave disappointment in elected officials who trouble our land with their indecisiveness and their inability to find a a sound moral compass and lead from a strong moral position. Fear drives and when it does faith fails and we see that here in the life of Saul as he went listen he could have waited do you know sometimes we ask God and God doesn't answer immediately have y'all ever had that experience sometimes you ask God and God says yes sometimes you ask God God says no sometimes you ask God There's silence. If you listen very carefully, sometimes in that silence you might hear a whisper that says, wait. Wait. Because you see, God always does things in his perfect timing. He always accomplishes his will in the perfect time and place. Saul couldn't wait. He inquired of the Lord, we read in verse 6, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or by Urim or by prophets. We don't read in verse 7, and so Saul waited for God to speak. No. What we read immediately after that is, Saul then said to his attendants, find me a woman who is a medium. He had already outlawed and banished the mediums and the spiritists and the witches from the country. But he knew there were still some there. Isn't it amazing? We always know there's still a little sin there. Just in case. And he was drawn to it. There's one thing we've got to grasp this morning. We need to grasp. Listen, I have to grasp it as an individual. I must. We have to grasp it as a congregation. But we also need to be sure that this message rings forth and is heard and that our nation has an opportunity to grasp this truth as well. And it is simply this, that victory is found in obedience and disobedience always sows defeat. I want you to look at the last four verses. If you've got your Bible open, please look. Listen, Saul had a good beginning. I want you to hear my heart. Good beginnings are great. But it's not just where we begin, it's where we end that matters. We all want to have a good beginning. In our journey of faith. We all want to have a good beginning in our careers. We all want to have a good beginning with our families. We all want to have good beginnings. But I want to tell you something. The endings are so much more than the beginnings. And we forget that. Saul had a great beginning. I mean, you, I, would, I would encourage you this week. Go back and read his story. It's not that long. When Samuel called him out to be the king, I mean, God pointed him out. All Samuel did was say, okay, that's the one God pointed to. Saul was a humble man. He thought little of himself. Whenever Samuel told him what was about to happen, Saul was saying, wait a minute. I'm from a little family and a little tribe. We're just the little folks here. We're we're not much of nothing. But God had a different plan. You see, God doesn't always call out the extraordinary. No, He calls out the ordinary and He uses the ordinary to accomplish the extraordinary. After Saul was anointed by Samuel, before he was made king, we're told in 1 Samuel chapter 10 that the Spirit of God came upon him in power. He prophesied alongside all the prophets of the nation of Israel. Basically, what we've got to see is, here's the picture. Saul saw himself as a servant of the Lord. He saw himself as a servant of the Lord's people. I mean, he was in a great, isn't this what what we want in our leaders? Humility, a servant heart, a servant attitude, a willingness to to submit and surrender to the authority of God above. Isn't that what we long to see and, and, and experience? That was Saul. But then something began to change. Now, before you get the idea I'm really coming down on Saul, I want you to understand something. We are Saul, we're human. We are weak, we are prone to failure, and if we stop walking in faith, we all find ourselves walking the wrong path. Saul began to change. He began to experience victories. And people began to praise him. Well, he would go out and fight a battle and God would give him the victory and he would come into the city and the people would chant his name and the women would dance and talk about all of the thousands that he had killed. I mean, he was in hog heaven. And Saul began to change. He grew possessive. He grew arrogant. He grew proud and jealous and defensive. He even came to the place, he began to grow rebellious against the directions that were coming from God through the prophet and he became disobedient the laws of God now I began by saying moments ago that the pages of history are littered with nations that have risen and fallen the rising is because of good beginnings and many peoples and nations begin well just as Saul did But then it is so easy to fall. Got your Bible open? I want to show you what it is that leads peoples and nations to fall from favor and fall from the position of power, the place that God has given them, according to these verses. Verse 16. Samuel said, to Saul. This was after he was... Con- this, is, this is a spirit speaking. This is, <laughs> this is a dead prophet. Samuel said, Why do you consult me now that the Lord has turned away from you and become your enemy? The first reason that nations so often fall is because they reach a place where they see God or attempt to use God like a genie in a bottle. When we have a need, we're going to turn to him. As long as things are rocking along good, everything's okay, we don't have to worry about that. We don't have to take the time to talk to God. We don't have time to study his word. We don't have to worry about his laws or his rules or his precepts. But whenever things get bad, we'll call on him. That's exactly what Samuel is saying Saul has done. Why do you come and ask what God wants now? After you've already ignored him, he's already turned his back, he's already changed his heart from you. Verse 17. The Lord has done what he predicted through me. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hands and given it to one of your neighbors, to David. Nations and peoples fall because they ignore God until... He grows weary of it and says, Enough. There are others who have a heart for me. There are others that I can bless. There are others that I can use. Friends, let me tell you something that can happen to to, to leaders, that can happen to churches, it can happen to nations. If we ever reach the place of arrogance where we think, well, we're the only thing God's got, don't be surprised when God pushes us aside and says, no, there are still others that I have. I can use them. Because the reality is we never know all of what God possesses and has. Verse 18, because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath Against the Amalekites, the Lord has done this to you today. Dishonoring God by disobeying God, not doing what God has asked you to do, will bring about this falling. But there's one other thing that we have to see here in this that I, I, I fear too oftentimes we miss. And we need to get a hold of. You see, my friends, not only does God control the rising and the falling of of nations and people, but he also is the giver of life. And he has the ability to give life and he has the ability to extract life when he so chooses. Verse 19, Samuel said to Saul, The Lord will hand over both Israel and you to the Philistines and tomorrow... Tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. Where was Samuel? He was already in the place of the dead. And he tells Saul, Tomorrow you and your sons are going to join me here. Your time is up. Your time is done. God is tired of messing with you. He's not going to deal with your disobedience, your disrespect, your unwillingness to hear his voice and follow his direction. Tomorrow, you and your sons will be with me. And not only that, but the Lord is going to hand over the army of Israel to the Philistines. You have led your nation over the edge of the cliff, Mr. King. Wow. Wow. Now, people, I want us to be very careful right here. And I want us to hear and see and be aware of what's fixing to happen. Because I fear that too often we as a people, and I'm, listen, when I say that, please understand, I'm talking about us as a nation, but I'm also talking about us as a church, and we are part of the nation. We need to be leading, we need to be lighting, we need to be salting, we need to be illuminating. But, but please understand what I'm about to tell you. We cannot continue to live as if God is that great cosmic grandfather up there somewhere who sees our sin while he's rocking slowly on the front porch and he's going to wink and say, oh, they're just kids. They'll come back around. He is the righteous, holy judge of all. He does not wink at sin. He has no obligation to wait. And there will come a day when nothing we can say, nothing we can do, nothing we choose to approach Him with will be sufficient. Say, where do you get that? Look at verse 20. Immediately. Saul fell full length on the ground, filled with fear because of Samuel's words. I want you to hear me. There will come a time, there will come a day when all of the mourning, when all of the prostrating of oneself on the ground, when all of the self-humiliation, when all of the words of apology and... All the signs of humility and surrender, they'll do no good. The time of opportunity for repentance, redemption, restoration will have passed by, they'll be gone. And when we arrive at that point, there is nothing left but God's mighty hand of judgment. Just imagine Saul. Imagine Saul out on the battlefield, the war is being waged. he has the upper hand he almost always did the enemies are falling before his forces victory is nearly ensured and someone says to him from over his shoulder you need samuel Can't you imagine Saul? So? all? Why? Why do I need Samuel? He's an old, worn-out man. I always win. I've gained so much that I don't even know what to do with everything I possess. I'm the greatest warrior king alive. Why do I need Samuel? Because Samuel was the one man who would step to the king's shoulder and say to him, hear the word of the Lord. Friend, we need to hear the word of the Lord. If we reach the point where we think we are beyond that need, we will have reached the point where we are beyond hope. That kind of pride is the pride that's often heard just before, even as the fall is beginning. So let me just simply say something for us this morning in this room. And I, I say it for us as a congregation, I say it perhaps to an individual who's here who needs to hear these words more than perhaps some others do. Today, we need, you need, I need, Jesus Christ. We have every reason to trust him. And this opportunity, this hour, this moment... Is ours. It's yours. It's mine right now. Saul had a multitude of moments, of hours, of days, but he failed to see his need. I'm pleading with you this morning don't miss the need in your life, don't reject him. Don't turn him away. I pray that that there will not come a day in your future or there has not already been a day when you find yourself going in pursuit of the world's fads and deceptions, searching for your witch, trying to regain an opportunity that's already gone, already lost. Hear the word of the Lord. Today is the day of salvation. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as your fathers did in the wilderness. Today, if you will call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Today, if you will confess to him your sin, your failure, your shortcoming, your unrighteousness. If you will confess it and repent and turn from it and pursue him. Today, he will give you life. Today he will take that which is old and broken down and dead in sin and he will make it into a new creation and he will give life today. Today. Today's all you've got. So I ask you, what are you going to do with today? Let's bow our heads together just a moment, we're going to stand together and sing a song of invitation, of commitment. What will you do today? What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with the voice of God? Is he calling you? Is he speaking to you? Is he convicting you? Is he challenging you? What will you do? There are always those who want to tell me how bad they've been say pastor you just don't get it if you knew where I'd been the things I've done the people I've been involved with if you understood my past you'd understand why I can't turn to him I got good news for you it's not his desire that any should perish but that all should come to eternal life Today, if you would call on him, confess your sin, forsake that sin, turn to him, pursue him, let him take control of your life, he'll make you a new creation. You can do that. You say, well, I'm not sure what I need to do or how to do that. Man, we'd love to visit with you and pray with you. We won't put you on the spot or embarrass you, but I invite you. Share that desire with me. And let us help you find your way. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we are commanded, called to be salt and light. Are we doing what we're called to do in these dark days? I know what's going on in the world, so do you. But I'm more concerned with what's going on in the kingdom of God than in this world. That's where we need to be serving. That's what we need to be focused on. So brothers and sisters, would you sell yourself as a slave? to the King of kings and the Lord of lords today. He bought you. He owns you. Surrender and let him use you. Maybe you need to pray. Maybe you need to pray for this land. Maybe you need to pray for someone that God's placed on your heart. Maybe you're looking at yourself and saying, man, I'm a mess. I've made a mess out of life. I've made a mess out of work. I've made a mess out of my family. Maybe you just need to talk to him today. That's what you need to do. Do it. And let him have his way in your life. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I know sometimes it, it seems that we look at a figure in scripture and It's easy to walk away and say, boy, we we sure beat them up today. But they are us. We are them. Flawed, sinful humans. Struggling to find our way. Struggling to follow you. Struggling to let you do in our lives the work you desire to do. Father, I pray for us this morning. In this room, the lost, the broken, the wounded and hurting, the wayward children who've walked off and started living life their own way again. Father, we do need to see a great awakening in this land, a time of revival. But that's going to happen heart by heart, one by one, person by person. And I pray, Father, if it's your desire that that would begin today in this place among us, that it would go forth from here. So, Father, we wait upon you. We wait on your touch. We wait on your drawing power. And I pray this morning, that you will give us ears to hear. We've, we've listened to your word. Now we pray to hear your voice. Speak to us your will. Give us the courage to walk in it. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.